You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, Carlisle. At the very beginning of the Bible, we see God's good vision for the world, creation in harmony with humanity, and humanity in harmony with God. Join us for our series, Sacred, Genesis 1 and 2. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. My name is James Fields. I serve here as the lead pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle, and it's indeed a great pleasure to have all of you out here this morning with us at Church on the Lawn. Um, we are so thankful uh, for what God is doing in and through us as a people, an opportunity we have to worship God um, in the beautiful uh, outside today, a little cooler today, so that's good. We'll continue uh, within our core value of miss- missionality by exploring a new series entitled Missio Dei, which in Latin means mission of God. So if you can, if you're physically able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. We'll look at Genesis 1, verses 3 through 25. Again, Genesis 1, verses 3 through 25. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was an evening, and there was a morning, one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from waters. So God made the expanse, it separated the water from the expanse from above, the waters above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse sky. Evening came, and then morning, second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God's, God called the dry land earth and the gathering in the water he called seas. And God said it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, sea bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit within the seeds according to their kind. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, sea bearing plants according to their kinds trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs and seasons and for days and years. They will be, there will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And so it, it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth and to rule the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning, the fourth day. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kind. He also created every winged winged creature according to his kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters of of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came and then morning, the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that crawl and the life, wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. 
You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, I, I finally had thought I've done it. So at least I thought. I thought I had successively coordinated and planned our 15-year anniversary trip. You see, Katie and I just celebrated our 15-year anniversary last month, August 5th, 2021. Thank you. Thank you for that. And while we can't afford to travel each and every year for our anniversary, we typically try to get away every five years. So for our fifth year anniversary, we traveled to Annapolis, Maryland. For our 10th year anniversary, a good friend of ours actually paid for us to go out and spend uh, extended time with him in Phoenix, Arizona. And not only did he pay for our entire family to go, but then he watched our kids so me and my wife can get away for some adult time, which was great. So listen, this year was a make or break year. I didn't want to break our streak. So, So I organized all the babysitters for the week. I arranged all the drop-offs and the pickups for the kids at school. I purchased our tickets and I even packed our travel bags ahead of time. Katie and I arrived to the airport on time. And to my surprise, as we tried to verify our, our identity before the TSA agent, Katie was denied boarding privileges. Now, this had never happened to me before. And it was a great shock, to say the least. The TSA agent was kind enough to give us a special pass to get back in the head of the line, but he instructed us to go talk to our airline agent to see what the problem was. As we walked towards the agent, I immediately realized what the problem was. As we were walking back to the agent, I looked at my wife and I said, you know, honey, I didn't buy you a ticket. In all my haste and all my excitement, I have forgotten to do the most important thing was to buy my bride a ticket for us to board this plane. Can you imagine the the, the shock? Can you imagine the frustration and even the embarrassment that I felt in that moment? I'm sure you may have some stories to rival. You can tell them to me later. I'll love to hear them. You see, all of my planning at that time, I felt that all of my planning would seemingly go to waste because I have forgot to plan for the most important person within my plans, namely my wife. You see, the details of life are important, especially for those whom you love. I thank God that he's not like me. He's the God of the details. He never forgets the details and he never overlooks what's most important. Last week, we saw the sovereign reign of God as he revealed himself as the one who, before time, he's our creator. He's revealed himself as the one who begins time, that he's certain. And then he also has revealed himself as the one who's beyond time. He's continuous. This week, we'll continue in our series of Missio Dei, the mission of God. And we'll witness our God being on mission within his creation to systematically take chaos and create order with the detailed plan and a detailed purpose. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we do thank you for this time you've given us. We thank you that you are a God of great detail, that God, all the details of this life 
uh, matter to you. Uh, the details that are happening in our lives, I pray that you would help us and allow us to feel the closeness of you, not just um, above us, but even within the very details of our life. We ask that you would draw near to your people. As always, take my little and make much of it. Glorify yourself as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, C.S. Lewis famously said these words, if God is satisfied with the work, the work may be satisfied with itself. Once again, C.S. Lewis said these words, if God is satisfied with the work, the work may be satisfied with itself. You see, there's a, a legitimate debate going on in history regarding the question of how long did it take God to create the world? And there are two primary views considering creation. Number one, that each day was a literal 24-hour period. And then the second view is that each day represents an infinite period of time, maybe even millions of years. You see, regardless of what we think or see about this aspect of time, the real question isn't how much time, how much did it take, uh, how much time did it take God to create? The real question is this, how did God create? And notice with me this morning that God systematically takes chaos and creates order. Look with me to verses, uh, verses 3 through 13. And if you have a pencil or if you have a highlighter, take the time to underline any time you hear these words. God said, he saw, he separated, or he called. So listen to the word of, of Christ spoken of verse this morning. It says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating waters from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water from under the expanse, from the water above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then morning the second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed bearing plants according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning the third day. So what's God's plan for creation? We see God's four plan of creation or within creation with these words that God spoke, God saw, God separates, and then lastly, God specifies. Notice with me in verse three that God spoke. He, verse three says it this way. It says that God said, let there be light and there was light. This aspect of God speaking is, a, is actually a command in Hebrew um, with just two words. And what does it mean that God spoke? It means that God speaks with universal changing authority. It means that when God speaks, things actually happen. Notice with me that God's word 
His spoken word establishes order. Love how Psalm 33 puts it. It says, the heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into a heap and he puts the depths into storehouses. Let the whole earth fear the Lord and let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came into being. He commanded it and it came into existence. Or in other translations, it says it stood firm. Notice how the author of Hebrews puts it in Hebrews 11 verse 3. He says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Notice that this reputation of God said connects God, the creation of the world, and God's word. So what is God doing when he's speaking? God is systematically taking chaos and creating order. He's taking chaos and creating order in order to establish his kingdom on earth and to prepare it for human rule. Remember C.S. Lewis, what he said? He says, if God is satisfied with the work, the work may be satisfied with itself. It's a good reminder for us that at every stage of creation, that at every stage, God is for his creation. It's a good reminder for us that God's creation is perfect because he's perfect. Not only did God speak in verse 3, notice with me, but also that God saw. Look with me in verse 4. It says that God saw that the light was good. This aspect of God seeing or or God God having vision or sight is used 10 times in Genesis 1 alone. And it references actually a very important point of Scripture in Genesis 16. When Abraham and Sarah get a great idea, they've been trying for a long time to have a baby, and they can't have a baby. So they decide to bring along someone else to have a baby for them. And at first, it seems like a great idea. But then when that lady, Hagar, actually has the baby, Sarah gets upset, rightfully so, and she sends her out into the wilderness. And now Hagar and her son, Ishmael, is now out in the desert ready to die. And in that moment, the Bible says in Genesis 16 that God sent an angel down to her in her most neediest moment. He sent an angel down to her and to comfort her and to give her instruction to move forward. And at that moment, as a response of God's grace in Hagar's life, God, Hagar responds with this wonderful saying about God. She calls God God El Roy. And God El Roy in Hebrew simply means the God who sees me. The God who sees me. The God who understands me. The God who is fully aware of what's going on in my life. Beloved, do you understand that the God that you serve is God El Roy? He's a God who sees you. He sees you through your frustration, through your pain, through your disappointment. 
He sees you in your joys and your affirmations. He sees you in your longing. He sees you in your suffering. It's a good reminder for us that God saw. Reminds us that God is fully aware of his creation. He's fully aware of its needs. And he's also fully aware of knowing how to perfectly provide for every provision that his creation needs or wants and or desires. You know, one of my favorite verses that my family and our, our, our family life verse for our family is Psalm 37 and Psalm 37, four simply says this. It says, delight yourself in God and he will give you your heart's desire. I love that verse because it reminds us that it's not just about getting our heart's desire that God is after. What God is after is us learning how to delight ourselves in him. And one of the ways that we can delight ourselves in God is by acknowledging to God that he is a God who sees me. Notice what God saw in Genesis chapter 4, verse A, part A. God saw that the light was good. This phrase good is used seven times in Genesis 1. And this phrase of goodness or good is used to express high quality and moral excellence. It means that what what God saw was pleasant. It was agreeable. It was good. It didn't need to be fixed. It didn't need to be arranged. What God had brought forth was perfect. Love this because, and I invite you to notice with me that the, the physical universe is a good place because God made it. Our creations often reflect us, in other words. I love how the Gospel Transformation Study Bible puts it. The Gospel Transformation Study Bible says this. It says, he being God, he graciously wills his creatures to live in enjoyment of his rich abundance, to reproduce and to multiply. God takes delight in all his creatures, the great sea creatures, the wild animals, great and small, the birds, the creeping things. All are his creatures in which he delights and over which he exercises his wise governance. I love this because not only did God see, but God saw it was good. And it's a good reminder for us this morning that God finds satisfaction or he found satisfaction in his physical labor. That what God produced, he actually had a sense of delight in. He actually had a sense of enjoyment in. Now, listen to me very carefully because there are many different ideologies out here about work. And one of the thoughts about work is that work is evil or work is bad. You've heard pastors even say it this way, that I never take vacations because the devil never takes a vacation off. So why would I take a vacation off? You will never hear me say that as your pastor. So please, if I say that, please hit me upside the head softly, not hard, but a little softly. Because this lie of never taking a vacation is is a part of this aspect of dualism. And dualism is a lie. Dualism states that there should be a distinction between mind and body and soul and body. That anything that deals with rest or anything that deals with our physical bodies, anything that deals with work 
or putting our hands to the plow is evil because this world is evil. But anything that deals with spirituality of seeking God or knowing God or pursuing God, these are the things we should go after. Now, listen to me. As your pastor, I'm not telling you that spiritual things are not worth going after. But I am telling you that as we rest in God, he doesn't just cause us to rest in him. He also calls us to work for him. That work is not an aspect of you earning any favor with God. Remember, we said it last week. You cannot change God. God is who he is, and he will always be who he is. You can't change God by praying more and doing more and serving more. God's not going to love you anymore. And if you refuse to serve or you refuse to do those things, God's not going to love you any less. God loves you because he loves you. He loves you because you are an image bearer of his. He loves you because he put his son on a tree to die for human sins, and they put him in a borrowed tomb, and he resurrected on the third day for the forgiveness of all of our sins through the blood of Jesus. God loves you because he loves you. I hope that is freeing for somebody this morning. Hope that brings you a sense of hope. Now, that love that he has for us, it should compel us to greater love for not doing things, but greater love for the one who loved us. I love what Pastor Jerome Gray down in North Carolina tweeted out about almost about six months ago, but it was something worth that captured my eye. (laughs) Pastor Jerome down in North Carolina, he wrote this. He said this. He says, value and dignity were given at creation, not at salvation. (laughs) Value and dignity were given at creation, not just at salvation. You see, American Christianity, we do a good job of talking about salvation and our need to be redeemed and be restored. Yes and amen, we need to be redeemed and restored by the blood of the Lamb. But that's not where value and dignity started. Value and dignity started at creation. It started with God speaking into the chasm of nothingness and creating everything. It started with God speaking and seeing and having a delight to have relationship with you through his son, Jesus. Not only did God speak, not only did God see, but he also separated. Look with me in 4B. It says, and God separated the light from the darkness. This word of separated occurs 42 times in the Bible. It it literally means what it says. It means to divide or to separate. And it reminds us that God's separation and the reason why God separates is to create order out of chaos. This is the first of three occurrences of God separating something. In day one, we we see here he is separating light and darkness. In day two, we see him separating the waters from above to the waters that are below. And in day three, we see him separating the dry land from the gathering seas. 
Not only does God separate, but he also calls or specifies what he separates. Look with me in verse 5. It says, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was a morning one day. You see, not only does God create, but God expresses his sovereign rule and his sovereign authority by naming the very things that he separates. So not only does he separate light from darkness, he says, hey, I'm going to give you a name. Light, you're going to be called day. Night, you're going to be, darkness, you're going to be called night. This is very important for us because the act of naming an object or a person indicates that you have control over it. That you have control over it. Now listen, there are many different religions that will cause us to worship uh, light or darkness or worship the the waters or or worship the wind and all these other elements of, of the earth. But what God is saying here is that, listen, those elements are not just elements in themselves. Those elements actually speaks to the glory of my name and the goodness of my character. They're not there for you to worship. They're there to remind you whom you should worship, which is God Almighty. Amen. You know, one of the greatest joys in parenting is the opportunity to name your children. And I remember, man, almost 13 years ago, having that first privilege of naming my daughter. And I knew the exact name that I wanted to name her. And guess what? She's not named that. (laughs) I was like, oh, her name is going to be Jordan. Jordan Fields. I can see it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But listen, when mama speaks, you listen, right? My wife had other, th- had other plans. She was pregnant and we were praying and I was thinking Jordan or Madison or something like that. And she came home one day and she said, I know her name. I said, what's her name? She said, her name is Naomi. I said, Naomi, that's beautiful. But where did you get that from? She said, I don't know. God just told me her name is Naomi. So the first thing I did was went to my Hebrew Bibles, our second Hebrew at the time. Okay, what does Naomi mean? What does that name mean? And it it means this, it means the Lord is my delight. He is my treasure. In him, I have, uh, that God is is the one whom I find my satisfaction within. He's my greatest delight. He's my pleasure. I said, yeah, Naomi is a a beautiful name. Let's let's go with that name. And therefore, we have a 13-year-old right now named Naomi, whom we love. See, naming is not just the aspect of naming. Naming also refers to identity, to purpose, to hope, to expectation in this way. See, God's plan can be spelled out clearly. He's the God who speaks. He's the God who sees. He's the God who separates. And he's also the God who calls or specifies the thing. He names it. So now that we see God's plans, we should also be reminded of God's purpose. Look with me in verses 14 through 25 for God's purpose. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and for years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. Now, whenever you hear the word rule, I want you to underline this or highlight this word rule. So God made the two greater lights, the 
greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth to rule the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them, and he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening came in the morning, the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the wild the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. So, so what's the point? What's going on? Why, why is this significant? What is God doing here? You see, in the first half, God is taking order. He's, he's taking chaos and creating order. But here what God is doing, God is letting us know that he's a God who's a, who's a wonderful architect. And what he's doing here is he's separating the days, these six days, into two two categories. One category being the realm, and then the second category being the ruler. Now, I'm going to try something here. I don't know if it's going to work. It might work. Hopefully it will. Since we are outside, I can't put this on the screen. So I'm going to do my best to do it here. All right, if you have a piece of paper, and if your kids will allow you to get away for two minutes, which I don't know if that's possible, but we'll see, I want you to get a piece of paper, and I want you to draw a category like this. On this side, it will be realms, realms, and then on the other side will be rulers. Looks something like this, realms, and then rulers. You can see that. And on day one, we're going to put it in the first box. I know my writing may look like Uh, what you call chicken scratch, but this says day one, day two, day three, okay? That's all we're doing, right? Day one, day two, day three, if you can see that. Day one, day two, day three, and then on the other side, day four, day five, day six. So what God is doing here, oh, that might have erased. Nope, it didn't. Praise God. What God is doing here in creation is he's creating realms, okay? So day one, what do you remember from day one? What did God create in day one? What did he create? 
Help me out. He did create light. Yes, he did create light. He separated light from darkness, right? So let's just, what is that? What does that reside? Let's just say, let's say, I'm going to, for lack of better term, I'm going to say, uh, I wish I had a scientist here to help me with this word. But for lack of a better word, I'm going to say space. S-P-A-C-E, space. Like out there, Nassau space, like out there, way out there. Day two, what did he create? What did he separate? Waters from above, waters from below. So right here, day two, we have sky and oceans. Separates the waters. And then day three, we see dry land. Okay, dry land. So this is what it should look like. Something like this. Much prettier than this. My, my writing is not that good. That's okay. I have other talents besides writing on a clipboard or whatever this thing is. Uh, so it should be like that. So these are the realms. And we want to think about this. Is this these are the ways in which God has created space. This is the backdrop in which God is going to be. This is the backdrop or the canvas in which God is going to um, draw his most beautiful masterpiece, right? Every artist needs a canvas. So what God has said is, I'm going to use space, I'm going to use sky, I'm going to use the oceans, and I'm going to use dry land as my canvas. What does he draw or what does he provide in space? Two, he says two lights, right? Greater light, lesser light. What's, what, what is the greater light? Sun. What's the, what's the lesser light? Right, moon. Very good. Write that on day four, sun and moon. Day five, what does he do? You see them, well, you don't see them right now. You may see them go across, right? Birds, right? Birds in the sky. You see a bird right good. I'm glad. And fish. And then day six, what does he do? Come on, y'all. Don't let me be up here talking to myself. Day six. Animals. Thank you. Animals. Now, I may blow your mind on this one, and that's okay, because everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But notice how in day six, God says that he has livestock, animals that crawl on the earth, and then wildlife. I believe that wildlife includes dinosaurs. Miles drop, right? Ooh, there we go. All right, there we go. <clears throat> I knew I will get you at some point. So you have this aspect of realms and rulers, right? That God, he gives us a canvas in which he's going to display his glory. And then he actually provides rulers or things to rule within that space, right? So the sun and moon are not just there just to be there. They're a reflection of God's authority to them to rule the day, the sun, and then the moon to rule the night or to rule the darkness. Birds aren't just creatures that fly in the sky, he's created them to rule and to be a part of the beautiful canvas that he's created, which is the sky. And then ocean animals are then there to have authority, have dominion to rule, to partake in his canvas of the ocean. And then of course, dry land, which we all standing on right now firmly, right, is for the animals. Livestock, animals that crawl, yes, those things that we don't like, and then, yes, even wildlife, those that are here 
and even those that are extinct and no longer with us. Do you see how God is such a great creator? Do you see how God um, is a God of the details? You see how God is, is thoughtful in how he arranges and how he orchestrates things in our lives? The reason why I'm bringing to your attention, brothers and sisters, is not just because of Genesis 1. I'm bringing it to your attention because you need a God who knows and is involved within the details of your life. And this is a God we serve. Why do I say this? Because how we view God is how we'll pursue him. If you don't see God as a God of the details, why would I share the details of my life with a God who doesn't care about the details of my life? Why would I talk to a God who, who can do nothing about my life situation? My prayer is that we go, as we go through the book of Genesis and as we are reminded and we are seeing God for how he's revealed himself, our love for him would grow and our relationship with him would deepen. It'd be crazy for us to, to study this book and not be changed by it. It'd be crazy for us to talk about God in this way and not have our prayer lives enhanced. It'd be crazy for us to look at the God of creation, but yet withhold his power within our own lives and our own life situations. What is God's plan? God's plan is to take chaos and create, and create order. His plan is for human flourishing. God is setting the stage for his greatest creation because his greatest creation hasn't even come on the stage yet. His greatest creation hasn't even been revealed yet. You know, much like a young mom who prepares a nursery for her first baby, much like a grandma who prepares her home for the arrival of her grandchildren, and much like a father who prepares his gun as he prepares to meet his daughter's boyfriend for the first time. Yes, I did say that, Naomi. In that same way, God is preparing the stage for humanity. He's preparing the stage for us. And I love this because it reminds us of what we say here all the time, that our identity precedes our function, that God is creating this beautiful ceremony. He's creating this beautiful atmosphere, this beautiful environment before we do anything, before we say anything, before we even are created. God is creating this for humankind, for human beings, for men and women who are made in his image and in his likeness. Notice with me that creation wasn't created for us to worship it. We were created to rule over creation. And we'll see how that pans out next week as we continue to look in the book of Genesis. Would you pray with me? Father and our God, would you thank you that you have pro your promises are true and your promises are sure. God, we thank you that you have proved your own love to us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God, you didn't wait till we got it right. You didn't wait till we had it together. 
You didn't even wait until we were on your team. God, while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of the cross, you decided to do the unthinkable and you died for human sin. So Father, if you would die for us while enemies, how much more would you love us as your children? How much more will you pursue us as sons and daughters of the Most High God? I pray that you would do that even now. I pray for those who believe in you, that they will feel the love of Christ even now. They will feel your closeness, that you would be imminent to them. You'll be close to them, Father. Pray for those who have yet not to believe in you. I pray that you would be close to them, but I also pray that you would help them to see that they're far from you. And God, they need to be drawn near to you through the blood of Christ. May both things happen for the glory of your name and for the advancement of your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Every Sunday, we have the opportunity to rehearse a meal called communion. This meal is only for those who are baptized sons and daughters of the Most High God who are following him and are about the Lordship of Christ. So if you are not following Jesus, ask that you refrain from this meal. For Scripture calls this meal only for those who are following him. If you would like to learn what it means to follow Jesus, talk to myself or Pastor Nick. We would love to walk that with you, talk, talk those things th- uh, through with you immediately after the service. The communion cups, if you don't have them, are in the back. So feel free to go in the back and grab one if you would like to. Well, the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, blessed it and broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Let us eat of that bread together in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the same way, he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us take and drink of that cup together in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus went on to say that I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. May the Lord add a blessing and hearing to his word. Amen. Amen. I'm James A.P. Fields, Jr., lead pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle. Thanks for listening. We're a church that is rooted in the community of South Louisville, and we are seeking to advance the gospel of Christ in South Louisville and beyond. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support our ministry, visit SojournChurch.com backslash Carlisle, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. God bless.